right now poised at the edge of the galaxy. Emperor Zerg has been secretly building a weapon with the destructive capacity to annihilate an entire planet. I alone have information that reveals this weapon's only weakness. And you, Ronananian, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. You're going to find out, I think, if you don't know it by now, that owning a Mercedes requires some very specific parts and some very specific repair procedures. So yes. just, just, yeah, it's, yeah, I can tell, but you, you found that out, huh? You are a toy! You weren't the real car doctor. You're a you're an accent figure. Not that we have that much of it here in North Dakota, but occasionally it does get hot. Yeah, I think uh, so, I think the third Tuesday of July, you guys get gets warm. The snow's melted by then. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, to infinity and beyond, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Andy and the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. You know, the openings are getting so good, I'm sitting there, I'm just listening to them. I forget what it is I'm supposed to be here doing. Um, so good job, Tom Ray, tip of the hat. Uh, more information at cardoctorshow.com. Podcasting there, click subscribe or favorite and uh, take the car doctor with you and drive those numbers up and keep them going in the positive direction. Uh, this radio show is about fixing your car. Whatever it is you want to talk about, uh, whatever you drive, doesn't matter. Um, if it's got four wheels and an engine, we'll uh, we'll be glad to help you talk to you about it and uh, help you take care of it and uh, you know solve it and maybe just uh, help you learn how to communicate with your mechanic better because this show is about communication. That's there too. Um, I, I have to talk about real quick um, next week, what's this? I've got a note here that we're going on a date. I got to take you two on a date. We're going to the drive-in. What's 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 this all about, Mister Ray? What are you doing to me now? Well, you're going to be in the trunk. Tony and I will be in the car. Oh well, listen. I got enough money. We can pay for all three tickets. This isn't like high school. No, you're going to be in the trunk, and we're going to be in the car. Oh, but we're going to. It has nothing to do with money to get in. But we're going to pay for three tickets. Of course. Oh, okay. Well, then, then we'll do that. Where are we going? What are we doing? The Warwick Drive-In Theater for a uh, it's a charity for the Humane Society. Out oh, there is this the um, for WTBQ uh, our the, affiliate the, in uh, Warwick? The Cruise for Critters and our uh, affiliate up in Warwick, WTBQ. I think I just heard that. Uh, you see, I was listening. I wasn't listening to respond. I was listening to communicate. Should be fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to put you on display. Um, whew, hope everybody's wearing dark sunglasses. Um, so is yeah, Tony, yeah is, you just need to be wearing clothes okay is tony coming yes we, oh. we hope okay well that's uh good we'll go out to eat afterwards so i have a budget actually there's a great barbecue place over near my house and that's not too far from my house so. yeah we could do anything for a buck 380 i mean you guys three dollars three dollars 12 cents you guys can eat all you want um but yeah okay so that's next week cruising for critters the cruisers for critters at the warwick drive-in five warwick turnpike warwick new york um i realize that's a little bit of a local thing but uh, yeah why not we get down to the local level we're a national show but we're you know what we're glad to help out wherever we can whatever we can any cause and we'll be up there and if it's really nice maybe we'll bring the hot rod but uh, i've got a feeling i'll be using the suburban the bus to haul equipment because um yeah that's probably what's going to happen so but anyway that's next weekend I want to talk a little bit about diagnostics. Um, I want to talk about it from the sense of, you know, we, we've been saying for a long time now, it's it's diagnose. You got to know what's good to figure out what's bad. 2010 Subaru Legacy came into the shop this week. 
Mr. Cooper, Herb's uh, he he's probably been the repair of the week more than anybody I can re- I can think of. But um, 2010 Subaru Legacy, Mr. Cooper's Subaru that um, we put a trans in this car going back uh, was it beginning of the summer June May June. Uh, this was the eight nine thousand dollars Subaru transmission overhaul and a couple other things and CVT trans and a hundred and ten thousand mile legacy and all was well and he called me up he called me up actually the week before he went on vacation the week we went on vacation he went on vacation and he said they were driving the car to the airport or some such destination and the car was shuddering and shaking and steering wheel shuddering and shaking and and it felt like the trans was you know going bad like it had a, a, a slipping transmission Sure did make my vacation interesting, as I tried not to think about the $8,000, $9,000 transmission being a problem. But um, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to say, leave it alone and just wait till you get there. So it was my job on Tuesday. It was one of the first ones I had. A ticket fell in my rack, and I, I wrote it down just the way he described it. Take the car out to the highway, drive it for 15 minutes, and the steering wheel will start to shudder and shake as you step on the gas and, and, and try to accelerate forward. And I try to have positive, you know, juju, good thoughts. Just try to maintain good karma and thinking positive stuff. You know, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Because <laughs> I don't want to do another transmission. And yeah, started to shudder and shake. Yeah, there it was. And it had dawned on me, and I was surprised too because prior to the road trip, I had a scan tool plugged in prior to the road trip. I scanned it for codes, and I went through all the modules looking to see, is anybody reporting an error that's somehow related that could scan be descriptive? Tool. Yeah, there it is. Somebody somebody reported that. Do that one more time. Can we get that one more time, Tony? Scan tool. You sounded better the first time. So, you know, we're looking for something indicative of something. What's going on here? Passed every scan tool test. No, no relation to the shutter could be found by way of a of a code. Went out for a ride, and I'm starting to think now. You know what's going on with this car? If it really does what he says it does, and it does, it did. Fifteen twenty minutes into the ride, the car starts to shudder and shake, and it just it was just it was fighting itself like it was going to tear itself apart. And then it popped into my head. I said, this car's got a bad brake caliper on it. I don't know why I thought like that. I said, this car's got a bad brake caliper on it. I said, the caliper's starting to bind, and it's dragging the car, and it's overheating the rotor. Got back to the shop. I got out my thermal imager. Thermal imagers are neat tools, right? They're like a fancy heat gun. It will show you the temperature of everything in that scan related in that area. And... I went to the right front brake caliper, or the right front wheel, and the right front wheel brake area was like anywhere from 180 to 210 degrees. The left front was 410 degrees. Oops. Yeah, you know what? Put the car up in the air. Couldn't turn the left front wheel. It was locked on. Diagnosed out that the left front brake hose had failed or was in the process of failing or holding pressure, whichever way you want to look at it. Higher mileage, eight-year-old car. So we, you know, we ended up overhauling the front brakes, calipers, hoses, pads, rotors, etc. But the point of this repair becomes knowing what's good can help you find what's bad. Knew it couldn't be a trans, knew it wasn't the engine, there were no fault codes. The cars have gotten so much better in terms of their diagnostic capability that, you know, 
And it's always my first question. Are there any dash lights on? And even if it's not on, even if it's not the first question, that's why I always say it's it's really getting to be a very big part of the puzzle to scan everything at least once every six months. And I think cars are going to get better in time that that they will be able to tell us and predict, um, you know, hey, these numbers are climbing in this particular area. Maybe 90 days from now, the O2 sensor is going to fail. You know, I... I Self-diagnostics, I, I think it's something that's going to have to come up in the future because I don't know that the skill set is out here to repair the cars in terms of uh, the capability of where it's going. A lot of the scan tools do it now. Scan tools will now you know, store against known good specs. Snap-on Zeus does it, uh, where they will take known good specs and, and say, you know, hey, here's what it should be, here's what it is, and it will flag that fault. I think the next evolution whether it comes from Snap-on or someone else, I think the next evolution will be something along the lines of perhaps the car will do it on its own, and perhaps it needs to because of the diagnostic requirements, because of how technical and complicated vehicles are getting. But, you know, just something to be aware of. Uh, You know, again, diagnose, you know, eliminate what's good, and you'll figure out what's bad. That's what I did on the Subaru. I knew it wasn't trans. I knew it wasn't engine. I took it for a road test. Didn't see how it could be tires. Thermal imager, 210 one side, 410 the other side. Put it up in the air. The caliper's hanging. Pretty straightforward diagnosis. And, uh, you know, that car was on its way to being repaired, which it was by the end of the week because getting parts, well, that's a, that was a whole other story. Uh, Subaru's kind of an interesting company in terms of, of getting parts and pieces uh, because it was, you know, I, I need this, 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 and this. And the left front brake hose was, I don't know, somewhere in North Dakota at some depot that it took forever to get um, uh, to which the Subaru guy said, yeah, we sell a few of these. Um, well, how come we don't have more in New Jersey? <laughs> uh, which is, that's a whole other story. So, But anyway, diagnose what's good. You'll figure out what's bad. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back. We're going to open the garage doors up right after this. Don't go away. It's the He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Are we stuck in that every car in the last hour has been a 2008 Honda Accord? What, do we just line them all up? This is the the Ron and Annie and Honda Accord show? Let's go over to Mike in Ohio. 2008 Honda Accord. Timing chain won't start. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mike, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Um, it's weird. I've got to tell you, in the last hour, we've gotten, you're the third 2008 Honda Accord in a row, with a, and they've all got different problems, because you guys can't all be trying to fix the same car. So, uh, what's the story here, kid? Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Now I can hear you. Tony okay. Tony hit the button. He was a little confused. Oh, um. I picked up this car a couple weeks ago, not running, um, and the I picked it up from a uh, shop actually, and then took it home, put it in a new timing chain myself, and watched all the YouTube videos and um, did all the reading to make sure I got my chain links in the right spots on the dots on the cogs, and put tension on the chain to put it back together, and it went back perfect. And then try to start the car, and it just turns over and doesn't fire. How does it crank? Does it sound normal? Yeah, it sounds nice and smooth. I don't hear any clatter. Do you happen to just take a compression test for giggles? Uh, no. Okay. 
Uh, do you happen to do anything cranking vacuum-wise? I'm just thinking about restricted exhaust. No. Uh, do you happen to look for spark? No. Do we have injector pulse? I have no idea. Okay. So those are the things you got to do. Okay. Um, you I know, did. Just, and, 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 before and, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Before I bought the car, it did run and sputter, um, but wouldn't run for more than 10 seconds. Okay, so so you bought it, it would run, sputtered, now you did a chain, and now it doesn't do anything. Right. Okay. Um, by chance, cranking it, do you have a scan tool? Maybe? Yes. Okay, yes. any any sort of fault code getting set? Nope. While, while cranking it? Nope. Okay. Um, are you just looking in, are you looking in pending as well as current? The only, I cleared the timing code. Um, after I turned the car over. So the only other history code is a recall on uh, an airbag and a seatbelt, I think. Okay. Well, but, but you know, there's, 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 there's two fault codes in, in, in engine controllers. You know, current, what's going on now, and what's about to happen, if, if, if something is about to happen. You, you've looked in what we call pending or history um, and, and current, uh, I went into current, but I didn't go into pending. Okay, take a look at pending. Maybe there's something there. That being that being said, then you know, just okay. Listen, pretend you just got the car and it cranked and didn't start. What things would you be checking for? Uh, fuel pressure. Right. Um, you know, forget forget what you just did. All right, because you know yeah. you you've checked what you did, and you're you're saying to me and yourself that the timing marks are right on. Right. Yep. Okay. So if the timing marks are on, now let's go figure out what's good. Tell me what works on the car. All, right. All the electronics work. There's no and there's no appearance of any water damage anywhere. Everything's okay. clean. Right. Um, the car has only got 113,000 miles on it, and I was kind of surprised that I had to replace the timing chain that soon. Um, well, it's not, you know, and then, then then you've got to look at, you know, how often were they changing oil? I've seen the chains stretch and jump. On that generation Honda, and you know people will just run away from them screaming, uh, you know, for a chain. And you know what you're doing is you're doing it the right way. It's just now it's a matter of why doesn't it run? Yeah. You know, compression test would clearly be in order here. Um, clearly, be a good idea. Let's just you know let's just see. Let's just do a mechanical compression test. Let's do a cranking vacuum check while we're doing compression. Both of those are pretty easy to do, right? Yeah, would I would I likely or is it possible that I'd have a failed fuel pump without a code? It's possible. Sure. Uh, you got any propane around the house? Yeah, I think so. Like like those little blue plumber's bottles of propane? Yeah. Um you've heard my story about I, I can't remember the tool part number, but OTC makes it. It's a it's 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 a Chrysler lean burn enrichment tool. It screws onto the top of the propane bottle, and it's got an adjustment knob, and you can you know you can meter out propane in a very small amount. And what I'll do is I will I will I take a piece of three uh, sixteenths brake line, put it in the end of the hose. I peen it down at the end so it's at a very sharp point, and I can now give very good direction to the propane. Feed the motor a little propane. See if it kicks. And, okay. and, and you know what? It's it's a tool that's less than a hundred bucks, and even if it doesn't help you fix this car, wait till the first car comes in that you're working on that that has no fuel pressure, and you get to driving it on propane. You'll be like, oh, thank God. 
Um, we we had a we had a '99 Lincoln Continental a couple of weeks back that had a fuel contamination problem, and you know Ron's getting older and the parking lot's getting longer, and uh, pushing that car in from where the tow truck drops it off because it was after hours, so it was outside the fence. I walked out with my bottle of propane, hooked it up under the hood, turned the valve, started the car up, drove it in. <laughs> Customers really look at you like you're nuts too. It's really good for show and effect. It really takes. <laughs> it really puts a little Ringling Brothers into the day. But um, yeah, I mean, it just you know. Let's see what's good, and then let's go backwards. Do we have spark? Do we have injector pulse? We don't need anything fancy to check for injector pulse. Have somebody crank it over and listen with a mechanic stethoscope. Do you hear click 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 at the injector? You want to get a Noid light if you can get to the injector harness. Put a Noid light on it. Do you get blink blink blink? If you got a blink and you got spark. And you feed it propane and it doesn't fire, you're either we're down to you know if mechanically compression's good, although it's, it'll 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 fire on one cylinder low compression, all cylinders low compression. Now something's wrong. All right, that's why I want to do a compression test. And then we're down to what's the chain really like? Could we be out 180 on one of the cams? Um, and let's go back over our diagrams one more time and make sure. All right. So if if my timing was 180 out, what symptom would I be? Should well, I be experiencing? And I'm not saying it is. If if your timing was out 180, what I'm thinking is the fact that you're not telling me there's a backfire or a misfire or a stutter or a fart or something like that. You know, it's it's if, if combustion was occurring at the wrong moment, you should be telling me this this this, this car backfires through the intake or the exhaust, and you're not saying that. It's definitely not doing that. Right. So that's why I come back to: Does it have spark? Does it have fuel? Think okay. of it. Think of it like this, Mike. And then I'm going to go. If this was a one-cylinder lawnmower, all right, how would you fix it? How would you diagnose it? All the same ways. All the same ways, right? An engine yep. is an engine is an engine. It doesn't matter. I was always taught when you know a million years ago. I was always taught that when you're trying to solve something. Take it out of the vehicle. Separate it. Put it on the bench. Will this component work by itself? If that component works by itself, and and, and I'm not saying do that physically. Sometimes you do it literally or mentally. If that component works by itself, then move on to the next thing. Write everything down. Get a yellow pad going, showing you itself what you did so you don't doubt it. And sooner or later, you'll get it. Call me back. Let me know what happens. I'm curious. I'm Ron Annie, the car doctor. We'll return right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. back. Ron and the car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Keep in mind that that is 24-7. You can call 855-560-9900. Leave a message anytime, day or night. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We are an East Coast-based show. East Coast-based show. Yeah, 
East Coast Bay Show. Right, I got that right. Um, we're an East Coast Bay Show, and you can call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night. But we're live 2 to 4 p.m. Saturday afternoon uh, to want to talk to us live. So if you're podcasting and you want to talk to us during the live broadcast, just call the 855 number. And if not, leave a message. Tom Ray, executive producer, will uh, get you booked up here in the queue for the next live broadcast. Let's go through the email. I've been trying to get to this pile for a couple of weeks now. I want to get this over with. Hey, Ron, listen on 101.5. This is from Eddie up in Massachusetts, Northampton, Mass., uh, weekly does cleaning the mass airflow sensor work should i replace it thanks ed you know eddie it depends on what we're working on um i see here it's an 03 buick park Avenue. what are we trying to achieve what sort of problems are we having is it a mass airflow sensor fault for an in- intake air temp sensor as some of them have is it a performance related code is it a lean condition one of the things i i will do and i cleaning mass airflow sensors is okay uh provided you're using proper chemical and, you know, you want to make sure that you're using the right stuff uh, to do the job, nothing too caustic and something rated for it. Don't use don't use throttle body cleaner to clean a mass airflow sensor, for example, as I have people tell me they do. But um, using, using a good cleaner for mass airflow would be a, a great way to start. But before I do that, um, what I will do, for example, and you don't say why we're doing this, um, one of the things I will do is, you know, what's my code? What fault issue am I having? Or how's my fuel trim? Usually I'm dealing with a fuel trim problem when we start talking about mass airflow sensor faults. So this becomes, where's fuel trim? What is calculated load? Calculated load, by the way, is a great measurement of mass airflow sensor efficiency. What's a mass airflow sensor? I heard somebody in the audience say. One person, that guy in the back. (sighs) Breathe in. (sighs) Suck in. How much air did you intake? Your brain says a widget, all right? Your your heart then takes that widget of oxygen, and your brain takes that widget of oxygen, and it helps uh, dispense it and pump it through and do what it has to do with it and balance it out with the rest of the chemicals to keep your body and, and mind and heart moving. Rough example, but you get it. Cars do the same thing. A car with a mass airflow sensor can measure. It knows when, when the engine goes and breathes in the air, The computer looks at the mass airflow sensor to see what that recorded value of is. So what happens now is it will take that measured amount and say, well, it's drawing in that much air. It needs this much fuel in order for the engine to run properly. Calculated load comes into place here. The computer can measure by how much air being pulled in across the sensor if it sees Y instead of X, it might say to itself, hey, Tom's foot is all the way to the floor. It's it's under maximum load. Maximum calculated load, then, is the computer calculates how much stress the engine is under. And you'll see a number on a scan tool, anywhere from 0 to 100%. If your foot's through the headlight, you're just you're floored, you're winding it out, you, a good mass airflow vehicle... You'll see anywhere from 85, and sometimes I will see 100%. I've never seen above 100% unless it's a fault in the scan tool. So back to Eddie's question. Eddie, what's wrong with the car? What is it not doing? Is it a fuel trim fault? Is it a performance issue? Is it an intake air code? Or are we just cleaning the mass airflow as part of normal maintenance? Cleaning as part of normal maintenance? Eh, I generally don't do it. Not unless I'm operating in a real dirty environment or my air filter's not changed regularly, and then I'm going to scold you for a different reason. Uh, one of the reasons why you want to change air filters on a regular basis. But 
it, it comes back to that, you know, that mass airflow sensor, if it doesn't report 85% to 100% calculated load, clean it. And that's the whole point of this conversation. Then clean it. Now you've got a number to work from. If you know what fuel trim was and you know what calculated load was, clean it. Is there a response? Does it get better? Does it get better to the point where it's fine? If it gets better to the point where it's fine, meaning the numbers go from 75% calculated load to 95% and fuel trims look normal, leave it alone. If calculated load goes from 75% to 80% and fuel trim is still high, you know the mass airflow sensor is contributing to part of the problem. And now you can, with all their diagnosis being done, now you can safely replace it. Good quality part. That's a whole other conversation. Make sure you're using something um, known good quality. You don't want to use any junk. And, um, you know, that'll work for you. But, yeah, mass airflow sensor. I look at mass airflow sensor some guys like it as maintenance. Depends on the car. But I like mass airflow sensor cleaning as you know, part of diagnosis. And, 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 and that's a big deal for me. Um, I like doing it for that particular reason. Ron, love the show. Listen often. This comes to us from John. Um, you mentioned the stop leak a few weeks ago. I have a Husqvarna R322T riding mower that leaks in the trans housing. It's a common problem, and the dealers are supposed to fix but mine's out of warranty. The fix was to replace the trans and destroy the old, so I'm hoping you may recommend something I can add to the fluid to make it stop leaking. John, I'm sorry to report that, no, I don't, that what you heard me talking about is something we use in the shop and a lot of other shops use is K-Seal. K-Seal is a permanent head gasket repair type of uh, sealer. It, it works in the cooling systems and cooling systems only. Um, it will seal anything from head gaskets to cracked heads and porous blocks. It works really well. We've been using it. Uh, for a very long time in the shop. Find more at kseal.com. But uh, no, sir, they do not have any transmission sealers or additives that would fix your Husqvarna or anything else, for that matter, in the area of transmission and uh, uh, so forth. So uh, I'm afraid you're going to have to get the transmission mower um, replaced. Last email this segment. Ron, I'm not available during your live show. I was wondering if you could... Oh, I was wondering if you could ask Ron a question. Sure, let me ask Ron a question because I'm working out of the area, but is this still true? When you weld an exhaust on a car, you're supposed to unhook the battery because my wife's car just had it and it acted really weird after we got back. The heater was blowing cold air and the speedometer jumped up by itself and did all kinds of weird things and it seems to be okay now. But we had had exhaust welding on it and it just acted weird for quite a few miles. Thanks so much. Love to listen to the show. This is from... It doesn't say. Well mystery guest let me um let me pull over take a pause and when the car doctor returns i'll give you the answer about welding on a car with the uh, battery connected or disconnected which one is it mechanic a mechanic b who's right 855-560-9900 ron and Andy, the car doctor coming back right after this little gto you really look at three deuces and a four speed Need advice on how to maintain that classic GTO? Ron is the guy. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. So we're talking about welding, and when you weld on the car, do you disconnect the battery or or not? Two schools of thought. Some do, some don't. I don't most of the time. Uh, but most of the welding I'm doing to date has been on older vehicles, 10, 12, maybe 15 years or older. Nothing newer. And the difference in my mind is the amount of computers has proliferated over the last 10 years to the point of, of, of what we're driving now is the space shuttle. 
Now, one of the rules I've always followed whenever I'm welding on a car is I will put the ground as close as possible to the point of welding that I'm doing. And they say that does make a difference. Miller actually uh, states that Miller welding, that, you know, that is the recommended method. Part of the problem with disconnecting the battery comes down to you will lose all the adaptives and everything that the computer's learned in the way of trans and engine operation, and now it has to go through a learn process. And, you know, that, 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 that can be an issue. Given the amount of computers that are on newer cars, you know, 2008s, 9s, 10s, and so on up, I, I think battery disconnect has to be the safe way to do it, and I think you've got to be prepared to do relearns. You know, just because something has to be done doesn't mean we ignore it in terms of, you know, we're not, we're not going to do it because of this or that. So I, I also think it's, you know, it's, it's what's going to or what continues to drive up the cost of repair in that with the battery disconnected, now maybe I've got to go through and use a scan tool and do some type of a relearn with it. So it's, it's, it's not the worst idea in the world. And on a newer vehicle, yes, I would disconnect. Uh, I would disconnect the battery. Um, and, you know, I would still ground as close as possible. Um, but by all means, just, just some precaution. The, the problem becomes that, and I, I, I have seen this, where cars that are left connected when welding, newer vehicles, um, computers get scrambled. They do some funny things. Yes, sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, for our listener that, that, that asked this message, this question, um, sometimes they do they do come back and sometimes they don't. So you want to be you want to be cautious, especially when you start seeing the price of computers. So um, mass airflow sensor cleaning. I just had another thought that if we're just to touch just to touch on this one last time, that if we want to talk about mass airflow sensing cleaning and the the need for it. Berryman makes a mass airflow sensor cleaner. Berryman mass airflow sensor cleaner. And like the rest of their fuel system component cleaners, with their HES technology, their mass airflow sensor cleaner is a great product. And, um, you know, it is safe and rated for the system. Remember I said you don't want to be using the wrong cleaner on mass airflow sensors because if you do, you can have the issue with regard to causing damage. So uh, no carburetor cleaner, no, no throttle body cleaner, no brake clean. You want to use mass airflow sensor cleaner. Berryman makes a great one. Um, get more information at berrymanproducts.com. So um, th- that covers that. Uh, real quick, before we pull over and take the pause, um, and, and again, I just I just want to mention this. Summer went by really fast, right? We all started out, geez, it was just 4th of July, and look at it. It's Labor Day. It'll be, it'll be Halloween, Thanksgiving, December, and we'll be... We'll be looking at Santa Claus in three months or, or whoever we decide to talk about in December. Um, kids are going back to school. It's time to get the car ready. It, it is September 1. Um, you know, the Car Care Council actually came out with a conversation, and Rich White points out when it comes to vehicle safety, the brake system at the top of the list, Rich White, Executive Director of Car Care Council. And Rich is right. We, we have to be aware that, you know, all of a sudden our brakes are going to become very, very critical around all the schools, the kids dropping off and so on. Motorists can put a stop to any potential brake problem by recognizing the signs and symptoms. And here's some of them. Brakes are a normal wear item for any car, and eventually they're going to need to be replaced. If your car is pulling left or right, if you hear odd noises when you apply the brakes, you should inspect them. Other warning signs include an illuminated warning brake lamp, brakes grabbing, low pedal feel, vibration, hard pedal feel, and squealing. Yeah, come on, folks. If, 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 you know, if you're saying to yourself, well, it's an old car, the brakes are supposed to feel like that, you know, we could do this like a Jeff Foxworthy thing, how to tell when your brakes are bad. If you have to drag your foot out the door to get the car to stop, your brakes are probably bad. 
if if your left foot has more tread on it than your right, your brakes are probably bad. You get the point. Um, we could probably write a few of those. Tony, write a few of those for next week. Um, what did it? What, what was that you just said um, about taking your feet out the car? Say yeah, that again. If, if you you know if if your brakes might be how would we write that? If if your your brakes on your car might be bad. If your left foot, if your left sneaker has less tread on it than the right, because you're dragging your foot. Maybe, what if happens if they just live in bedrock? Where? Bedrock. Well, then they're not wearing shoes. Yeah. Then they get flat feet. Okay. That's how you get out of the army. All right. Yeah. So. Just thought I asked. No, that was Fred Flintstone. That was a whole other era. Okay. So, you know why Fred Flintstone's not alive today? Why? Because he would have had to wear shoes. His car went to get him to work. He would have slipped in the bedrock. Keep your day job. Yeah. <laughs> but can I ask you another question, as long as we're off the subject here? Sure. How does a submarine... Can we talk about the submarine thing again? S- say goodbye, Ron. No, let's talk it's about the submarine to to thing break, again. Ron. No, no. I'm not, huh? not going to stoop to... No, we're no. not going to discuss this. Because you still don't this. have an answer. How can a submarine go under the ocean and be hidden if it's emitting all those oxygen bubbles for those guys to breathe? You need a life. I'm just telling you, I think about these things. Let's pull over and take a pause. 855-560-9900. I'm sure there's an answer for that one, too, somewhere. I'm Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. So, bottom line, um, when we start thinking about, when we start thinking about September and getting the cars ready, Brakes are important. Uh, the Car Care Council is not wrong. If you want to know more about being car care aware, get out to carcare.org, and um, that'll do it for you. Real quick, I want to do a, a, a Mitchell Track fix of the week. I was I was reading this one, and I liked it uh, from the perspective of it, some good old-fashioned common horse sense diagnosis. We started the show talking about common sense and uh, how important it is today and um, what's got to be done for it. And, um, you know, I, I like the way they did this. This is a 95 Mercury Sable, this real facts. Real Fix Sure Track Fix of the Week is brought to you by the folks at Mitchell One, MitchellOne.com. Uh, subject vehicle is a 1995 Mercury Sable. It had a code 172, which is a system lean bank one. Now, keep in mind, even though it reports a bank bank one lean fault, where else are you going to look? You're going to go look at bank two. They don't say that in this report, but I would imagine that bank two was heading towards lean as well usually if one's lean the other's lean for the particular fault that i'm going to tell you what this is they looked at the o2 sensors off idle they back probed uh bank one sensor one sensor one sensor two uh signal wires and they observed them to be correct they fed a little propane see there's that propane enrichment thing again fed it a little bit of propane and they saw the o2 sensors respond uh so they knew they had good o2s and uh, they also found that the idle quality improved because they had fed the engine more fuel. They connected a smoke machine. They looked for intake uh, leaks. They didn't find any. Um, everything checked out good. They hooked up a fuel pressure gauge. Fuel pressure was okay at idle. But oh, I'm sorry, fuel pressure was, uh, they tested it at idle. Fuel pressure was below the range of 35 PSI. They looked at the harness, made sure that it had power and ground. And at that point, car had a bad fuel pump in it but just the, the the logical sequence of diagnosis not just jumping in and if you notice they checked fuel pressure and 
They also checked to make sure it had proper power, proper ground, and they also verified that the engine had the ability to respond to additional fuel by feeding it propane. They could see that the engine would go into fuel control and respond properly to uh, to what it was doing. So they put a fuel pump in it, cleared the coast, did a road test, and the vehicle was operated properly. All these types of fixes, these real fix, sure tracks fixes, are over there at the MitchellOne.com website. So uh, they're there for you, and they're there for everyone to read and pattern failures and a great database, and we thank them for that. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. They're priceless.